When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, a pleasant good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the latest installment of Hey Horka on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. We'd love for you to subscribe to this channel, like our conversation. We would appreciate that. He is Tyler Horka, of course, the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated. I'm Darren Pritchett, the host of Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And about 11 days, we'll be calling Notre Dame hockey, believe it or not, for the first time against Clarkson, but I think we all needed to take a deep breath yesterday to try to regroup from a heck of a football game that did not go Notre Dame's way as Ohio State beat the Irish at Notre Dame Stadium 17 to 14. And I'll say this, Tyler, starting out, there's a lot of interesting storylines to talk about from this game that can be negative or frustrating. And I'm not a homer, but I'll say there are a lot of positives come out of this. The offensive line paid better than I ever could have imagined. Benjamin Morrison, in particular, and Cam Hart balled out in this game. And I thought maybe a little bit more Audric Estime. The running game might have been a little better, but that's just my personal opinion. So there was some good stuff. But then, of course, we'll get to the head-scratching things. But what did you like about this particular game? That Notre Dame was winning it with – I mean, up until one second left, I mean, say what you want about the score. I I mean, I think a lot of people were taking the under. And as it got closer to game day, I was like, I, I probably should be taking the under myself. Um, whoever did, they got their money. I didn't think it would be that low scoring. So if you want to rip the defense, which in a minute we're going to give people in the comments, which, by the way, if you're watching this live on YouTube, go ahead, say what you want, say what you feel. We will bring up some of those comments on this show. But, man, for 58 minutes, 58 and a half minutes, if you hold Ohio State to 10 points, and I know that the Buckeyes are kind of saying the same things as Notre Dame, missed opportunities, right? They go for it on fourth and goal from the one really early on in that ball game and don't get it. Emeka Buka, who's the best wide receiver on the field that particular night, drops a touchdown. So that takes four points off the board. There were opportunities for Ohio State to score into the 20s, but there were opportunities for Notre Dame to score into the 20s as well. So overall, you have to like the way the Notre Dame defense played. Offense wasn't opportunistic enough to win the game. That, that was the difference there on that side of the ball. But like you said, and Marcus Freeman said it today in his Monday press conference, Cam Hart, Benjamin Morrison, you're going against the best collection of wide receivers in the country. And for the most part, you do a really good job on the outside. Emeka Buka was getting his against the slot corner, Thomas Harper. It's a really tough assignment. And I don't think Thomas Harper got enough help from his Notre Dame teammates. But, yeah, a lot to like. And it goes back to what I said at the very beginning. 
Notre Dame could have, should have won that football game. And if you gave anybody that inkling of hope going into it, that's right where you wanted to be. Well, we might as well get to the elephant in the room. And that is the fact that the Irish had 10 defenders on the field for the last two plays of arguably the most important sequence of the Notre Dame season. Let me recreate, then we'll talk about it. For people that didn't see it or have washed it away from their memories, seven seconds left, Notre Dame calls their final timeout with Ohio State at the one-yard line. Notre Dame leaves the field with 11 defenders. After the timeout, they come back with 10. I am not putting blame. I'm just pointing out Gabe Rubio was out there when they went to the sideline. He did not return for whatever reason. Ohio State runs a play. It's a bootleg to the right, incomplete pass, and you're down to the closing seconds. Now, this is the part where it gets really even more head-scratching. I posted the video on Twitter of what I shot, and you could see Ohio State subbing a running back onto the field after that pass attempt went incomplete. Immediately, the official behind the offense comes in, right behind the center, puts his arms out, which means there were substitutions, and the offense cannot snap the football until the defense has the opportunity to make their substitutions as a result of what the offense did. Notre Dame made no substitutions, so there is no way, even at that point, GAs, assistant coaches, coordinators, head coach, players, no one knew it or didn't communicate it, whatever the case may be. And Ohio State then gets to run a play. They run white where the defensive end would have been, and they score the game-winning touchdown. And here's my video. There's that Ohio State did, which stopped the play, and it gave, really, Tyler Notre Dame a get-out-of-jail-free card that they didn't take. Yeah, that's what you're looking at here if you're watching live on YouTube. If you are listening uh, back on Apple, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen, we are watching what Darren just described where, I mean, it, it, I'll just drag this back again. Look at all this time where Notre, Ohio State's lining up and the referees are, are basically looking at the sidelines saying, hey, if you want to sub, now's your chance. And, and then there goes Ohio State sub. You're seeing uh, Chip Trainum, the, the guy who eventually scores the touchdown, come into the field, and that's where the ref yep. comes up gets in the way of the ball being snapped because Ohio State's in a shotgun formation and looks at the Notre Dame sideline and says, hey, uh, and he wasn't asking him, hey, do you want to put your 11th guy out there? Because honestly, I'm not even sure the referee knew that Notre Dame had 10 people on the field at that time. If nobody from Notre Dame, like you were saying, Darren, graduate assistants, Marcus Freeman, Al Washington, anybody in the booth, it could be Jared Parker on offense in the booth up there saying, hey, I think we only have 11 guys out there or 10 guys out there on defense. It didn't happen. And I mean, it's, it's just incredible that, and, and this is a thing that I was talking about with some beat writers today after Marcus Freeman's press conference, Ohio state didn't know it on that first play either, because yeah, you need to throw the ball if you're Ohio state, cause you have no timeouts, but where did they go Darren? Cause it was the same formation yeah. that you see here missing a defensive lineman uh, on that right side. If you're Ohio state looking at it on the left side, Ohio State went the other direction with its pass play, trying to get the ball in Marvin Harrison Jr.'s hands, incomplete pass in that right corner of the end zone. And then I, I mean, based on what I see, 
I think somebody from Ohio State eventually said, hey, they, they noticed it and they ran right at it. So it's just inexcusable for Notre Dame not to pick that up, especially because you're the one that calls the timeout before the two plays are run. And then Ohio State subs. And, and I get it. Notre Dame has its personnel that it wants out there for a goal line situation. One yard to get. Those are the guys. But you didn't have enough guys. You were missing a guy. And it's just unfathomable. And you, you couldn't. Um, we're writers. We're, we're journalists. We couldn't make that up. Couldn't make that up if we tried. I don't. I know a lot of people immediately blame the head coach. There's a reason why he has assistant coaches and coordinators. And there are GAs. There are so many eyes on the field, Tyler. There are so many eyes. He's it's, worried it's, about a lot of things. But there are so many eyes on the field. It is amateur hour to think yeah, that this could happen. I mean, is. this is it, like pop college football. football. Exactly. College football and then obviously the NFL. Extensive operation. There's, I mean, we go to practices, Darren. You see all the – you don't know any, any of these guys' names because there's so many of them. It's like, I don't know who you are, but I know you have a purpose. And and, and you go down the line, and obviously you know who some of them are. Al Washington, Al Golden, those guys. But, man, they oversee so many others that could have said something, anything. All you had to do was go to up to a guy that was wearing a headset and say, hey, we only have 10 out there. Do something. And then, obviously, the other the other part of this conversation is they eventually found out. Marcus Freeman eventually found out there was only 10 guys, but as he said, Saturday and then today, which is, it's cringeworthy, didn't find out until it was too late. And I will say, this isn't basketball where when things happen like this, your instinct is to foul and, and like, okay, we can reset here if we just foul. None of those 10 guys for Notre Dame is thinking, oh, I need to touch, I, I need to commit something that I, I never want to and touch the guy and that's how we're going to get out of this. So you can't really fault the players. It's on the people up top to put that 11th guy out there. The crowd's roaring. There's no way to communicate that no. to the players no. at the one-yard line. I, I had a former – I asked a former Irish player today, is there any way you could have heard them trying to get someone to jump offside? Absolutely not. I do feel like in that weird circumstance, if I would have been the head coach, I think I would have had that deer in the headlight look like, what in the world do I do? So I don't know if I would have had the answer with the luxury of time. I do disagree with Marcus a little bit. He said he didn't want to give him another chance to reset and not run a guy out on the field or draw a penalty. Personally, I'd rather have 11 players to stop a half a yard than 10 players to stop one yard. Yeah. I mean, when you line up in a goal line situation, really the the two yard line's a little bit different than the one, but once you get to the one, I mean, that thing could be an inch away from the goal line and everything's the same. It's they cannot move this ball any further. And that and that's what your perspective is as a defense is you you just cannot let them advance the ball or you lose the ball game. That goes for the one, the the half, the inch, that's all the same. So I totally agree with you, Darren. You if you can find a way to convey to your teammate, to your players, like, hey, we need to take a penalty, then, oh, yeah, the penalty would have been the way to go. It, it, you, you put out 11 players on the field, you're evening the playing field. You you weren't playing this from an even playing field. So the problem was there was no, like you said, Darren, <clears throat> excuse me, like you said, Darren, there was no way to convey, hey, we need to take a penalty here. Because I, I do agree with Marcus, like, 
in a normal situation, the last thing you want to do there is take a penalty. But the thing is, this was not a normal situation. There were 10 guys on the field. Mm-hmm. Need that 11th player on the field. And just to shout out Patrick here, thanks for the comment. Yeah, the players didn't know. They had no idea. And and maybe the a linebacker or the defensive back, maybe it was Thomas Harper on that side, knew. But, like, what is he going to do about it? Like, wave his arms up and down like, hey, we need a guy over here at that point. Like, They're like on the said, other side of the field from the bench. Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's yeah, and that's another point that Marcus Freeman said. It was, it was a far hash situation. I mean, the, the, the bottom line is you survived one play with ten players on the field, and then you had a chance to sub. You, you, there's no excuse for trying to go another play with ten players on the field. And sadly, it puts a dark cloud over what you could say was a successful day defensively. Yeah, you held Ohio State to ten points for. 59 minutes and hey, it wasn't perfect. I'm not saying it was perfect, but that last drive, there were a lot of things that you can question as a fan. I totally understand it, but throughout that game, things were going very, very well for the defense. And it's just a shame that a couple of plays in the last, what, 30 seconds overshadows some really good things in the ball game. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's uh, enough about that. We're about to get to some defense stuff in a minute, though. So. Yeah, we got more. We have more. <laughs> but Augies, hey, I'll tell you what, they probably grabbed some memorabilia from that historic game that folks will see in their yeah. store. Yeah, I, I wish – and Augie wishes that there were some things that people would like to get their hands on from a win, but it is what it is. Uh, NBC actually just announced that that was the most watched college football game on their platform since Florida State, Notre Dame in 1993. So we're talking 30 years. The people were watching it. There, there's still going to be some stuff at Augie's locker room. So, yeah, a lot of people at that game, not just watching on TV, a lot of people at that game as well. If you went to Augie's locker room, I guarantee you it was worth it. And it's going to be worth it to go during the USC game. Uh, and then what is it, Pitt and Wake Forest. Only three of these things left in South Bend. So, when you do come for a game, you have to make it to Augie's locker room. They have a wide selection of Notre Dame Stadium pieces. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see some of that there. Jerseys, helmets, autographs, one-of-a-kind Rockney items. You can find exclusive Joe Montana signed items. Vince Vaughn was good. I think Joe Montana would have been a cool guest picker, but maybe he <laughs> you know, blew his wad in Ireland. I actually saw him. I think we mentioned that on one of the Hey Horkas. I saw him at a, at a pub in Ireland, and it looked like uh, he, he needed a rest a little bit. Old Joe needed a rest. Um but, yeah, Jerry McKenna's replicas of the bronze statues outside the stadium. You can see those in there. Augie gets new items all the time. If he doesn't have one in his store, he will find it for you. Visit Augie at 1811 South Bend Avenue, right around the corner from campus. See the vintage helmet display dating back to 1890. Amazing, amazing, amazing items. Go to Augie's locker room to learn more or call him at 574 you mentioned the Florida State Notre Dame game in 93. That was the first time WSBT Radio did a game day sports beat show. And Look at that, that time, you could have people down on the field. You can talk to everybody. I mean, it yeah. was a different world. But guess who our first guest was? 1993, first guest. He was the NBC sideline reporter that day. Oh, yeah? OJ Simpson. <laughs> what? Yep. He was I'm our too first young guest. To, I mean, I'm too young to even realize that O.J. Simpson was a TV personality at one point. Yep. I was not born in 1993. I think most people who watch this uh, realize that um, 1995, 1995. So that's crazy. That That's a fun nugget right there, Darren. 
I'll leave the one-liners to everybody else. And we'll move <laughs> along to our first question from the Hey Horka crowd, and it comes from Aerofan624. Was dropping eight in the coverage on third and 19 the right call? And away we go. Yeah, here we go. Darren, I actually haven't even picked your brain on this, so we are about to get into an yep. argument, possibly, because I was fine with it, to be completely honest. I think and there's nuance to this. People are going to say, oh, on that drive, you were getting to Kyle McCord all the time with some pressure and, and, and some five-man rushes were working, certainly. But it was never third and 19 on any of those situations. So you can rush a guy when it's first and 10, first and you know, or second and 10 in those situations. Third and 19, 20 seconds left. Just keep a guy in front of you. And look, it's not like that play was the ball game either. Everyone says they lost the ball, the, the ball game on third and 19 because you get to the one-yard line. If you just execute a little better and play a little better, I think Ohio State would have been fine with picking up like five to ten yards on that play and then getting to fourth down and saying, okay, here's the ball game. Just so happened that it ended up being outside of the touchdown and maybe the fourth and seven conversion, the biggest play on that drive. But the bottom line is Notre Dame just didn't execute it right. I was actually watching it just beforehand to make sure I had all my ducks in a row. I was watching the play again. They do an, a really nice – shout out to NBC with some of these camera angles. Camera angle – you know, over the top behind Kyle McCord, you can see how the play is developing. I can't play it here uh, for copyright issues for, from NBC, but a couple things happen on this play that you just can't have when you're rushing three and dropping eight. J.D. Bertrand sort of mirrors the slot. I think it was caged over the, the tight end going up the seam. And he sticks with them for a little bit, but then he didn't doesn't stick with them long enough to where there was a split second Ramon Henderson, the safety over the top, says, okay, I, I need to be aware of Stover. And then he's like, oh, shoot, no, I need to be aware of Abuka, who Kyle McCord's about to throw to. By that point, he's not making any play on the ball. And then there, there was Thomas Harper. Notre Dame's in zone coverage here. And Thomas Harper just immediately sprints out, and I guess that's his fourth of the field. Maybe they're playing quarters, whatever it was. Immediately split, sprints out to the sideline. But there's a it might be Cam Harton, who's the corner over there. He's got that guy. Like, it's third and 19. I get it. You're playing quarters. Cam Hart's quarter is a little further up the field. So if you're Thomas Harper, you're thinking, I need to get to that sideline and prevent him from catching the ball here. But even if he catches the ball there, Cam Hart can run up. You trust him to make a tackle. Anything's better than getting to the one-yard line or the goal line. And Thomas Harper just sprints out. And Emeka Abuka, I'm, I'm staring at it right now as I break this down. He's wide open. And I believe Henderson's the first safety to get there. The corner gets there. Tar Harper eventually gets there. But Abuka catches the ball. He's at the one-yard line. It wasn't drop eight that was the issue here it was just an execution thing like i think the more the merrier in coverage when it's third and 19 but maybe you maybe you think notre dame should have sent the house a little bit there and I'm, I'm not sure i think some people probably agree that it wasn't the right thing but I, I i was fine with the coverage call they just didn't execute it properly you know marcus said today or was it Saturday? I apologize. I get his press conferences mixed up. I edited both today. He mentioned that they wanted to give McCord different looks. They didn't want to just play man over and over and over. So they decided to go this route, quarters defense, which is designed to take away passes deep down the field. That's what it's designed for. So, I mean, you can look at this two different ways and – Number one, by the design of the defense, you shouldn't be able to complete that pass. 
Unfortunately, McCord made a great throw. There was an opening, pass completed. I guess my question is this. If you believe they should have rushed the quarterback, I would say this. Did you see enough during this season and throughout this game to make you believe that rush was going to get home? If the answer is yes to that question, then I think all of you saying that they should have brought pressure, that's a great answer. I'll end by saying this. If I'm facing Barry Bonds on a baseball field and I'm the pitcher and it's a 3-2 count, I'm going with my best pitch. I'm not going with my third pitch. I'm going with my strength. And Tyler, I've never been a defensive coordinator, so I'll just say this. Watching from the press box, I know on TV you can't see everything. The way those corners covered in man throughout this game, I had 100% confidence in their ability to stay with these receivers. And I just feel like that's the strength of the defense is when the corners are on those guys man-to-man. And if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down with my strength. On that topic, I wrote about it at blueandgold.com. You could still play man defense when you rush three. That's the thing. I think I would have done that, Darren. You play man. Ohio State sends five guys out. It's basically five verts. They said, hey, we've got to get these 19 yards or at least some of them go downfield, give Kyle McCord an option. You could play man in that situation. It's, it's, it's literally as simple as five men on those guys, and then you play three high safeties. And, and then you tell the safeties, look, your only job is if they do complete a pass – Get to that guy like glue. Don't let him get to the line of gain, line to gain. Definitely don't let them get to the end zone. But instead, you, you're kind of psyching yourself out, playing these quarters, playing this zone defense. The safeties really don't know. It looks like they don't know what they're doing. I'm looking at this play again. I can't show it because of NBC copyrights. Um, but there's two safeties in the end zone. The line to gain was the three-yard line, I believe. What are you doing in the end zone? I get it. You cannot score a touchdown. Otherwise, you lose the game. You know, there's 15 seconds left, and Notre Dame needs to go get a field goal in 15 seconds. That's not going to happen. But if you're a safety, what the heck are you doing in the end zone? They don't need to get to the end zone on that play. So I think the way that Notre Dame played it in the secondary just gave way too many gaps. And if you have Marvin Harrison Jr., and Marvin Harrison Jr. is bracketed on this play, by the way. So there's two of your defensive backs. And then two more of your defensive backs are literally standing in the end zone. Like you cannot prevent Emeka Agbuka from getting to the three yard line, let alone the one where he ended up if you're in the end zone. And I get it. The safety comes up, makes the tackle. You live to play two more downs with 10 guys on the field, as we talked about earlier. But man, I, I just, it, it wasn't drop three or rush three, drop eight. That was the issue. It's the execution. And, and to your point, Darren, that's probably not Notre Dame's fastball, that type of zone coverage in that situation. And it bit them because it quite honestly, to me, it looked like they didn't know what the heck they were doing in that coverage. That's what lost the game. So I guess if you want to full circle all of that, I guess, yeah, rush three, drop eight was the wrong call. But I don't like fundamentally from a football standpoint, it, it should work. It just didn't because the players didn't allow it to. Well put. Yeah. And let's face it. And this is not rocket science. When you rush three, it does allow the receivers to get down the field far enough to pick up the first down. 
And McCord made a great throw, too. I mean, kid played pretty well under the circumstances. He held his own in that ball game and did just enough to win. That's, I mean, look what he did on that final drive. Didn't he convert third and seven, a third and 19, a couple of fourth downs? Fourth and seven, yeah. Here's another good point, though. Um, we're about to get to a super chat that just came okay. in as well. Uh, Drew Berinsky, who I see him on Twitter all the time, very online dude. I get it. We all want to talk Notre Dame football. Had to get all 19 yards or touchdown. Tackled short, time runs out. I don't know if time fully runs out. Well, maybe it does because this is third down. You can't spike it. That, that That's another thing that kind of irked me about this from Notre Dame. You should almost want to entice them maybe to – you see it all the time in, in football where a team needs all of these yards. Maybe it's not 20 seconds left and they're knocking on the red zone like they are in this situation. But if McCord's back there and he's like, man, I, I have nothing deep. They're all over it. I need to take this little check down. Tackle that guy inbounds. All of a sudden, they're running up to the line of scrimmage. No timeouts. That's the ball game. That play right there is the ball game. Instead – you let him get a first down. There was only, again, the line to gain was the three-yard line. You either get to the three, two, or one, or it's a touchdown, and that's it. You somehow let him get to the one, which there's all these yards to gain, and he gets to a, a point on the field where he gets the first down, time stops, and then the whole shenanigans, the whole circus ensues. If Ohio State literally gets 18 yards, they are scrambling to get four yards to win the ball game, or they lose. There were two things on this play that, you know, could have been to the demise of Notre Dame. Touchdown, first down, and on 19 yards, you let them get a first down, which stops the clock. It's just, uh, man, it it's frustrating, Darren, because, again, I'm not, I'm not going to get mad at rush three, drop eight, because I've seen it work. It should work in this situation. I'm just I'm just looking at it and I'm speechless because the Notre Dame players didn't allow it to work. That's the bottom line. When when Marcus Freeman talks about execution, that was not good execution. And let me take this a different direction. If the offense executes a little better, we're not in this spot. We're yeah. never going to oh, worry about third and nineteen. And of course, I, I, I think, guess I think people woke up on Sunday more mad about that, Darren. More mad that Notre Dame had the ball with less than five minutes left and didn't end the ball game. Because of play calling, execution, a, a little bit of both, whatever it may be, that's the ball game right there. I, I tweeted it in the moment. I said the Notre Dame defense did the dang thing, which was stop Ohio State on fourth and one. Uh, Ryan Day really thought that they could go out, you know, off the tackle outside with Emeka Buka and knife it up for a yard. Notre Dame defense said, "Nope, you're not doing that." Gave the ball back to the Notre Dame offense. You need to be able to to win a ball game right there, and they didn't. Yeah, the, the fourth down play calls can definitely be scrutinized. I just go back to the fact, and I know we've talked about this for two years, how seven doesn't get the ball in those yeah. spots. Or and there are times he's one not time on, on that drive, right? It's, I uh, mean, the, the going with the sneak with Hartman in that hurry up mode, I, I just I can't sit here and say that's my favorite call. You got that guy, man. I hated that. A I hated bruiser. That. A bruiser. I mean, put two tight ends behind the quarterback and shove him down the field 10 yards. I'm just – that one was baffling. And this is me personally. I love when my football team, late in the game, when they have the ball, 
drain the timeouts of the opposition, get those timeouts out of the equation so they can't use the entire field. When you got timeouts in your back pocket, you can use the middle of the field. And with the clock stopping inside of two minutes of the half, or yeah, the half, you can get down the field easily. I want to get rid of those timeouts. So I don't know if I've ever seen a screen pass in a situation where we're trying to run out the clock. That one, that one surprised me. And boy, that almost was disastrous since it was intercepted. But it, I've never I'm, seen a play that was almost so disastrous and almost so holy crap, this worked at the same time. Have you yeah. seen the camera shots of that, Darren? It's yes. like if that ball gets over to Jadarian Price, who was it? Uh, was it Spindler and Fisher out there or maybe a pulling Coogan or there was two linemen. That's a touchdown. That's game over Notre Dame. Notre Dame wins this game 21 to 10, just like Ohio State won it 21 to 10 last year, if that works. But hey, if, if, if that you can't be saying if, if, if. Um, yeah, I, I don't like I don't like the call there. But shoot, it almost worked. It did. I just get almost. rid of the timeouts. Drain those timeouts. Yeah. And then, yeah. then you can get a little more, I think, aggressive at that point. But they just left a lot of points on the field. You know, the the fourth down where Hartman got it. I don't know how they can overturn that. I still have not seen full evidence to show he didn't get that. I actually first down. Not, I'm not totally against that call. It's the it's the whole where's the ball thing. It was in his right arm. He's going to the right sideline. There's no complete I, evidence though. I just I, agree. I don't yeah, think he's gonna fair. overturn it. You missed the field goal. They're just there's so many points left on the field. I mean, there's not an Irish fan watching this. Had we told them you're gonna give up 17, that they would have lost the game. No, yeah. Seriously. I mean. We can talk about the breakdowns in the final two minutes on defense, but doggone it throughout that ball game. You got 176 rushing yards, and you didn't have a three and out. I heard Marcus say they didn't have a drop pass, and they scored 14 points. That's yeah. as big of a story as 10 men on the field. That, that comes down to, hey, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, and yesterday, and really the last two weeks, I've watched – a good football team. The Dallas Cowboys are a good football team. Notre Dame's a good football team. Not be able to finish drives. And that's what it was for Notre Dame. The two fourth downs. You leave the ball in your quarterback's hands. I get that. But you have Audrey Gestime. You have this, this vaunted offensive line. Like, do something with that. Or if you're going to leave it in Hartman's hands, like, get it. Get the first down. Like, the, I call it like a sweep sneak. Uh, Sam Hartman's not the guy to go around – off the left side of the offensive line and try to finesse his way to a first down on fourth and one at Darren, we were sitting in the same press box, probably five feet away from each other. And I guarantee you, you were staring at that saying this ain't going to work. And it didn't. So we got some super chats here to get to Darren. Yeah, Go ahead. Go ahead. Appreciate Brendan Steyer for the super chat. He says, I feel like the play calling on third and fourth and short needs to be reassessed. It feels like the efficiency this year has been lacking. Notre Dame wants to be a physical, aggressive football team. Win it on the ground. Thoughts, Darren? I think you, when you were talking about Audrey Estime, uh, that's exactly what you were saying, yeah? Yeah, that was a line of questioning to Marcus since the game. Was There was that stretch where Estime got it rolling and then – we didn't see him for a while. We were having the discussion in the press box. Is he hurt? Why right. is he not out there? So I know the coach. Yeah, I, have, I, have my binoc I have my binoculars on him. Like, 
24-7. I found he was just standing there. It's kind of ironic, though. Not enough people are talking about how that one drive that he was out, Notre Dame eventually scored a they touchdown scored. on it. Yep. Yeah. yeah Jibron, uh, that was the Jabron Payne. Uh, so, like, Notre Dame's a good running team no matter who's in. But yeah. that's the thing. If Audric Estime was in, maybe they score a touchdown sooner. Like, he, he – J- Jeremiah Love showed some of this ability Saturday, which is – promising for Notre Dame but if there's a running back on this team that you sit there and you say yeah put him in and he's got the best chance of ripping off 10 to 15 yards on any given play it's estimate he's the most experienced and he's quite frankly right now the the best of the bunch so in that game to say and eh, we got all these guys and it worked again Jabron Payne scored a touchdown it's like dude give Audrick Estime the football it's really interesting in a game in which Notre Dame shortened the rotation in almost every spot on the foot, oh, Jason Onye did not have a snap. Correct. After the coaching Halamaka did not play over and over. And mm-hmm. but the one position that had all those different personnel was running back. And I get it; they used the strength of each player. I, mm-hmm. I understand what they're trying to do, but man, as a fan, it's hard for me to sit here and say seven. Has to be on the field more. I mean, he had 20 of the 37 carries against Central Michigan. Yeah. But then 14 of 39 against Ohio State. I feel I almost feel like it would have been backwards the other way around. Yeah, for sure. And, and the one thing that, like, you can kind of live with is Travion Henderson only got the ball 14 times, too. And he Outside had of one run, yards. they didn't have a running game. Right. And, and that's probably a lot of that. You look at the splits, it was basically – the opposite. Notre Dame had a 60-40 run to pass split, and Ohio State had a 60-40 pass to run. Kyle McCord threw the ball 38 times, Sam Hartman 25. Ohio State ran the ball 27 times, Notre Dame 39. So if, if you're going <laughs> by proportions and by fractions and you think that Audric Estime is every bit the player that Travion Henderson is, he should have probably had 20 carries in that ballgame. Yeah. And that's, and that's love- any ballgame. I'd love to be able to come into the offensive coaching room. And and this is not a criticism. This is just me wanting to understand. But three play action passes in that game. Now, in the first half, Ohio State was dropping back. They had like a wall 10 to 15 yards down the field with with three defenders. So they were trying to take away the deep ball. Maybe that was the reason why. But when you Mm -hmm. think of Notre Dame this year running the football in that play action pass, I think you had the stat only three of the 25 passes for play action. And that – surprised me so maybe what they were doing in the first half defensively took them away from that that's why i'd like to ask the question and just learn what the thinking was yep there it is pro football focused uh, 26 dropbacks three play action passes they were playing some high safety stuff and i think notre dame is going to see that a lot I and mean, you do what you do if you're notre dame against central michigan and you put those deep balls on film People are going to say, okay, we have to prevent that. Ohio State did. And here's another thing. Ohio State just has the athletes that can prevent that. And I think Notre Dame got into – you saw it early. Sam Hartman, 10 of his uh, 25 pass attempts, whatever it was, first quarter. However, how many of those do you remember saying, okay, yeah, he's throwing the football downfield? That tells me Jared Parker went into it thinking, we're not going to pass the ball deep on these guys, dink and dunk, dink and dunk. It worked especially on that first drive, it was working, man. Mitchell Evans, it was working. And then you don't get that first down. To me, that's when the whole game changed. That set the tone for the game. When Notre Dame didn't get that first down, Darren, you thought it was a first down. 
when Sam Hartman is running off to the right. You don't get that. Turn the ball over on downs. Ohio State had already had to punt before that. It it became a chain reaction, a domino effect of oops, oops. I didn't get it. You didn't get it. What are we going to do? Next thing you know, it's three to nothing at halftime. And that was the game. And then from there, Jared Parker's thinking, oh, man, now I really can't throw the ball downfield. So it, football games are chess matches, man. And you have a, just like a script. You have a script going in and you're like, this is what I'm going to do. And then something happens. It's just like, throw that away. Now I just got to look at this board and see what I have to do. I think there was a lot of that on both sides. And but the thing is, like, if I'm a football coach, I'm thinking, what can I do to break away? What what can I do to reverse all of this and put my imprint on the game and say, yeah, things are going this way, but I'm going to do this. Because when Jared Parker and the coaching staff, whatever it was, Ryan Day to an extent, I know the personnel's different. It ended up feeling a lot like last year. And I was just waiting for a team saying, no, 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 this is not last year. It could have been Notre Dame to make some downfield passing plays that they could not make last year. And they still said, you know what? Now nah, we're going to do it. We're going to play in this game. We're going to play in this low scoring game. Turns out two years in a row, that did not work for Notre Dame. They, they couldn't win a low scoring game against a high scoring team. Do you have another super question to get to, or should I go? Yeah, to I believe, I, I believe we have two, but so okay, let's there, go. I'm, I'm just, yeah. We'll probably make the, all the other questions that were, uh, coming up you know the ones that we had scripted a little shorter on the answers but we'll get to all of them we need to get to these though as well mike 3883 thank you for the super chat held ohio state to 17 it's not on the defense sam hartman in the offense scored zero in the first half freeman tried to hire the utah oc and nd denied him because of the money okay now we're, we're getting into some weeds here the oc and the university are to blame. I don't want to bring up the Andy Ludwig Utah stuff. And Darren, by the way, that you're leaning back in the chair and sighing. I don't think you do either. But I do agree with the <laughs> the gist early. It, it gets back to what I was just saying about the chess match and not being able to, you know, move your queen out a little early and say, I'm going to dominate this thing and you're not going to capture her and I'm going to get all your pieces before you get mine. I don't think Jared Parker at this stage in his career or maybe who he is as an offensive coordinator – I don't think he's that type of guy. And he showed it on Saturday where he couldn't say, hey, I have Sam Hartman. I have Audric Estime. I'm going to grab this game and take it and we're going to score. Didn't happen. So I do agree with the primary gist of that super chat. Yeah. What I don't you? know the ins and outs. There's a lot of speculation what happened. Yeah. All I know is I was calling a hockey game and all of a sudden we have all these people on the TV screen. Hey, there's Jared Parker, Marcus Freeman, the Utah guy. So yeah. that was a crazy night to say the least, but I will go back to what you said at the start of the year. One of your biggest question marks was offensive quarter because of the inexperience. And, and the, the people at blueandgold.com on our message board, they know that uh, I've been really touting that since March, like spring ball. I'm saying, Hey, Sam Hartman, that, that's great. But what are you without a great offensive coordinator? Are you re- I haven't read this uh, super chat yet? We'll read this super chat. No, no, I was we reading are <laughs> Somebody okay. else was talking about the kicking game and they should get the kid yeah. from game day. <laughs> oh, <laughs> made me laugh. And for people yeah. that didn't know the press conference today, they are switching holders. Schrader yeah. is more comfortable with what McPherson holding. Right, so McPherson, that's yeah. Great. yeah. So they are addressing three for seven for Spencer Schrader, but I believe only three of those are less than 50 yards, which is crazy. He has four attempts more than 50 yards. So I get it. You have this leg, but I said it at blueandgold.com. 
hey, let's try to settle this guy in a little bit. And, and it's hard to do that. Like both times Notre Dame went for it on fourth down. I completely agreed. Like you need to go for it here. So it's not just, hey, kick the kick the field goal when you have the chance. But man, like in those blowout games, <laughs> maybe it would have been nice for the offense to, to get stopped like once or twice and say, hey, Spencer Schrader, go out and kick a 35 yarder just to get your feet wet in a Notre Dame uniform. Like that hasn't happened. Every time they trot him out there, it seems like, hey, here's a really long field goal. Try to make it. I don't know. You could always go Mitch Palooza on fourth and one, too. Yeah, I, I, I said it in the press box like five times. Didn't happen. <laughs> Didn't get my wish. <laughs> here's another super chat. I love the super chats. I think three and one Hey Horka show is a record, which is awesome. We're on here at three o'clock. People are working. We still have a bunch of people watching. It's great. Um, the this coaching staff. Three-hour show. Yeah, no, we're not doing that. We did that last week. It's just Duke this week. And I know Duke's a good football team, but we uh, it's, it's not a, okay. a three-hour show type of week. Um, we are love and light. The coaching staff choked on both sides of the ball in the four-minute drill. This loss is on the coaches. I mean, come on, man. High school teams have a coach count heads on every play. I, I'm not going to disagree with that. Like, I, I, Darren, we've both watched enough football, and I'm only 28 years old, so you've watched more than I have. But – We've seen enough football to where we've seen some instances, hey, you know, team had 12 people on the field, team had 10 people on the field, and you're like, ah, that was a bummer. I've never seen it in this big of a spot, though. Two plays in a row. No. I've never seen it back-to-back plays in any circumstance. In any circumstance, right. It's Again, you made the great point. When you go to practice, there's 50 million people not wearing football jerseys, and – you got all these people on headset, and I just – I am i know I was wowed by the moment standing there on the field. It was on the completely other end. We're in an end zone on the north side. This was all happening on the south side, which, by the way, everybody watching probably knows this, but that's the same exact end zone as the Bush push. So now that, that is an infamous south end zone at this point. There's been some bad things happen late in the ball game at the one-yard line. The Manti Teo stop against Stanford in 12 is also right there. Right. So, yeah, there's some good, but there's definitely been some bad. There's a lot going on in that end zone. Yes. Um, yeah. Tough stuff. But let's move on to another question, huh? Okay. Let's try something else. Let's go to <laughs> Grace Hall 4D wants to know, what was your assessment of Sam Hartman's play, particularly under pressure? I honestly thought he was pretty good. I – I answered this question and I think we're going to get to a little later on the show. Given what he was presented and and the game that was played it pretty well, there weren't a whole lot of opportunities. The one downfield miss that I think he has that comes to mind was looking for Jaden Thomas on that left sideline. And they just can't get that one. Right. It feels like there's been a couple times where Jaden Thomas, whether he's running a corner, it must be a corner out to that left sideline and he's open. and, And this time Hartman airmailed him. Against NC State, Hartman laid a really good pass in there. And uh, I see you keep laughing at the comments. I need to read the comments. comments. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's great. It's great. I'm listening to you and reading them. Yeah, sure. That's that's multitasking at its finest. I, Darren, we don't need to spend too much time on this conversation because my mind on Sam Hartman didn't change. The game was weird. The game was wacky. I, Darren, do you remember how many times last week here and other places, I kept saying these Ohio State defensive backs are really, really good. Like, watch out for these guys. 
they might be better than Notre Dame's wide receivers. I think that's what this came down to was what the heck is Sam Hartman supposed to do with really good pass protection, which it was. Notre Dame offensive line played a heck of a game. If you've got nobody to throw the ball to, you've got nobody to throw the ball to. So he doesn't get sacked a single time. That's a credit to the offensive line. That's also a credit to him getting the ball out, even if it's a throwaway or whatever it is. My my opinion on Sam Hartman didn't change. Notre Dame lost a, a low-scoring ball game in a game against some really good defensive players. It's going to happen. I, it, and look, Sam Hartman is still intercept. The one thing that people kept knocking Sam Hartman for coming in here is dude's got like 25 interceptions in the last two seasons. Are we really going to start this guy? He's got zero interceptions and five starts at Notre Dame. He's taking care of the football. Guys just got to get a little bit more open for him, for me. And Ohio State did whatever they could to try to prevent the deep ball, and they did a pretty good job. I'm not saying there isn't yeah. something you could scheme up, but there just wasn't much down the field from my vantage point sitting in the press box for him to attack. Here's a good question from uh, Patrick. Appreciate this, the uh, question here, Patrick. Where is Braylon James? You might see a little Braylon James in the coming weeks. Deion Colsey is having his knee scoped later this week, so that eliminates a boundary-wide receiver. In pregame warm-ups with Colsey not a go, he was he was there, he was suited, but we were watching warm-ups, and it was evident Colsey was not going to play in this ballgame. Braylon James was taking the place of Deion Colsey with that second, third-team wide receiver contingent when they were running some routes on air stuff in pregame warmups. So you, you always have a guy in any season that kind of breaks out in the middle of it. And you're like, where did this guy come from? Dion or Braylon James is getting his opportunity because uh, Dion Colsey can't play here for the next couple of weeks, like Marcus Freeman said. So where is he? Uh, you might see him as soon as Duke, because I don't think this is a game where Notre Dame is afraid. You mentioned the rotations, Darren, that was even a thing on offense where they're just like, hey, outside of the running back position, we're going to play the same guys over and over and over. Maybe it's time to say, hey, Braylon James is a burner. Braylon James is faster than Jaden Greathouse, is faster than Rico Flores. Like Jaden Greathouse, Rico Flores, they're great at what they do. They can get open. But if you want a guy to take the top off the defense that's not named Chris Tyree or maybe Tobias Merriweather on this team, it's Braylon James. So maybe this at this point in the season is, is his time. I noticed Higher Elko had a quote, Joe Klatt blames our coaches. That's obvious. I have a lot of respect for Joe. He's very fair. And if he, in fact, said that, that's pretty eye-opening. Yeah, I think uh, there's not a lot of uh, people on here who are SEC types of guys, but Paul Feinbaum's a walking quote, and I think he kind of sounded off on the, the Notre Dame coaches oh. as well. Look, you can't defend what happened. It's, it's inexcusable, indefensible. Um, and it's not just the 10 people on the field thing. It, you know, Notre Dame at the end of the day, probably got out coached in a lot of areas in this game, even though it was only a three point ball game. Okay. Let's get to another question here. And it comes from coop dog. one. Why is it Notre Dame's defensive line getting penetration? If I had a great answer for you, yeah, uh, I would be I would be the defensive line coach at the University of Notre Dame. Uh, here's the thing. I said this at blueandgold.com in the article today. I love the way Al Washington coaches. He's engaging. He's energetic. It seems like he gets his message across. And when I'm watching these practices in the spring and in the fall, it seems like it's a good message. Like it seems like he knows football, knows what he's talking about. But on the flip side of that, 
there's a reason Ohio State let him go two years ago, and he was on the market, and Marcus Freeman was like, you know what? I'm an Ohio State guy. I, I know what Al Washington's about or is supposed to be out be about. Let's bring him in. I'm not so sure he is going to be a long-term answer for Marcus Freeman and for the Notre Dame defensive line because there's there so many times in college football, I've seen it enough where you think a guy is great and he's supposed to coach these guys up and, and be the guy for that position group. I don't think it's working right now. Now let's get to some of the stuff that's happening or what we're seeing. I know Jordan Botello gets credited for a sack there on the grounding play, I think. So he gets a sack. I'm not sure how many he has for the season. I can check really, really quickly. Why isn't Jordan Botello winning more one-on-one matchups, Darren? Why why isn't Riley Mills winning matchups in the middle? And he had a really good game for pro football focus. But, like, if you're Riley Mills and you're that big and you're playing defensive tackle, there should be some moments where you're – you are just completely by a center or a guard and you're in the backfield and you say, here I am. I, I'm either going to take the running back down for a tackle for loss, or I'm going to sack the quarterback. I, I know defensive tackles aren't supposed to get a whole lot of sacks, but Riley Mills should be that player. Why isn't it happening? It's, sometimes you need to go a different direction with your coaching. If, if these things aren't happening, we've played five games and Notre Dame does not have a player that has more than two tackles for loss. That's the leader on the team right now so it's a it's a solid group of guys with two but you've got some players on this team who should probably be getting close to a tackle for loss per game right like nobody is even on close to on pace for a tackle for loss per game you might see the leader on the notre dame defense have like eight tackles for loss at the end of the season that's unacceptable that means you're not winning one-on-one matchups and to answer coop dog's question that's why notre dame isn't getting penetration they can't win one-on-one matchups they have to recruit linebackers and safeties for pressure help anytime they want to get pressure. It's, hey, we'll send Maris Leofel at the wall here and see if he can get through, which that didn't work against Ohio State, by the way. He ran into a wall, like a literal wall, and just didn't do anything. So it, it's maddening. Uh, I don't know if you have any other thoughts on that, Darren, but it's – really. I'll just not- keep it really quick. I think they just lack overall explosion along yeah. the defensive line. I so will is it an athlete man- issue or is it a coaching thing? personnel i just Probably don't both. explosion coming off the edge i will say man baptiste was rolling to the sideline to oh. stop that fourth down play against oh no he had a great team. game all around he had, a, really, he had a great really, game all around yeah he had a good yeah. game i just think overall i don't know if there's enough explosion and i just wonder this is just a hypothetical since they used basically limited guys along the line maybe they're better with limited snaps and playing more guys, I don't know. It's just a thought that came to mind. Yeah, because they used a really short rotation in this game. You probably should have rotated a little bit more, honestly. And that's that is just specific to this game because even in the four games before it, I noticed that the Notre Dame defensive line wasn't winning its matchups. But like, let's just end this conversation with this. I don't think there was anything Jason Anye would have done to hinder Notre Dame's chances of winning that ball game any further than whoever was playing. Like Howard Cross looked good again. He Howard Cross is a good football player, but like at some point, put Jason Anye out there, or I don't know. Uh, Gabe Rubio played well. Um, I don't think Donovan Heinish is going to make much of a difference. But like maybe in terms of just taking a breather and and limiting reps a little bit. I don't think it would have hurt to play guys like that and just kind of switch things up instead. 
maybe maybe the defense was a little tired there at the end too. Not a lot of people have been talking about that, but that that's also a possibility. Those guys played a lot of snaps on Saturday. And for people that didn't hear the press conference today, uh, Coach Freeman said that I think he was answering your question that Maris Leofal, 61 mm-hmm. snaps, no tackles. He said that he had limited practice time last week due to a stinger. So take that for what it's worth. Yeah, that's uh, that was a, a question kind of derived from the board, the message board at blueandgold.com, which, by the way, if you're not subscribed and you're watching this, go subscribe. Go subscribe. Great community, great nuggets and, and tidbits that you can't get anywhere else. We're bringing to you at blueandgold.com. They are um, very cognizant of Maris Leofau's play, and they were cognizant that he did not register a tackle. And I thought it was interesting personally, too. How do you play 61 snaps at a position like that that's supposed to be around the football at all times and not register a tackle? That probably warrants a Monday press conference question. Just like Audric could have worn down that defense a little more. I think Ohio State was on skates. I really yep. do. Offensive no, he, line. Marcus got that question too. I'm for, I forget who asked that one. It might have been the other Tyler, Tyler James. I think it was. Um, yeah. The Tyler, right. we're, we're asking all the hard, the hard hitting questions, Darren. All right. Well, I think we're all kind of worn out and <laughs> we're exhausted. So, can you can you do something to make my skin look better at this particular moment? What a segue from that's all I got, man. Right there. Uh yeah, I actually can do something to make your skin look a little better. And it's funny you bring it up that way because I was up till 5 a.m. putting this thing together right here. If you're watching the YouTube, that is the latest edition of blueandgold.com, blue and gold uh, illustrated print version. I was up till 5 a.m. putting that together. And when I was going to bed, brushing my teeth at, at, at a time when a lot of other people were brushing their teeth to wake up for a Sunday, I don't know if they have to work, they got to go to church, whatever it is. I was brushing my teeth to go to bed. I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, what can I do to uh, make myself look not so tired? Because this is a 24-7 business, Darren, and here we are again on a Monday talking about Notre Dame football. And the answer was called Dara Lab. I use the clean slate, which starts and ends my day. I don't know what you want to call it at 5 a.m. I guess I was ending my day, but my day started not too long later. That's going to wash all of the stuff from Notre Dame Stadium. I, I was there at game day at 8 a.m., and then I was there till 1 a.m. when I had to leave, and they kicked me out of the press press box. A lot of dirt, a lot of grime getting on your face on a day that long. Clean slate takes care of that. The base layer, daily moisturizer, moisturizer hydrate your skin, jumpstart your day or end end your day full of confidence. The good, that's your go-to multifunctional serum at night that helps your skin look tighter and smoother. That's what you need if you were uh, going to bed at 5 a.m. like I was. 3.4 million antioxidant units that protect your skin. They also have something called the Icon, which they sent me in this little ad deal that we have with Caldera Lab. And basically, my eyes, I had the darkest bags under my eyes that you could ever imagine because of that 5 a.m. night. And I just rub that stuff all around my eyes and go into the Monday press conference looking good as new. So if you want all of this stuff, which, by the way, just a few weeks worth of use, 94% of men's skin showed overall younger looking appearance again in just a couple of weeks. So Caldera Lab, go to their website, use the code BGI23 and get 20% off. I don't think there's a lot of people who work a job that they're up till 5 a.m. putting a magazine together. But for me, I need Caldera Lab, man. It, it, it. 
brings out the youthful uh, appearance in me, and I can walk into Marcus Freeman Monday press conference feeling confident and ready to go. Got the new haircut to go along with it. I know. Look at that. I, I mean, I'm all looking, the ex- uh, everybody's talking about Kelsey and Swift when they should be talking about your skin and hair at this particular moment. <laughs> Appreciate it. All right. Let's get to our fourth question. Two more to go. This comes from an interesting name. And I'll just ask the question. <laughs> what does yeah. Notre Dame need to do to go 11 and 1? Yeah, I'll bring it up here because it's going to appear. Yeah, it's going to appear. Tofas, again, when you go to blueandgold.com, you can, I mean, within reason and within bounds, make your username whatever you want. Have some fun with it. We have some fun at blueandgold.com. There's no question about that. What does Notre Dame need to go to do to go to 11-1? I kind of used a centralized focus on this and kind of keyed in on one thing. And I think it's have better wide receiver play. And, And I'll leave it at this. You brought in Sam Hartman to be able to revolutionize your offense, modernize your offense in a way and make it more 2023 because whatever Notre Dame was doing in 2022 didn't get the job done offensively. And a lot of that was dictated by quarterback personnel. You've got Sam Hartman. You've got some really good wide receivers. I mentioned Braylon James earlier in this show. I get it. Maybe he doesn't understand the full offense, but if Jaden Greathouse gets it and Enrico Flores gets it, then, I guess maybe sometimes for guys like Tobias Merriweather, Braylon James this year, they just don't get it. But, like, use those guys. Be able to hit the deep passes. Be able to hit the intermediate stuff. And that's what it comes down to for me. Because if you have Sam Hartman, you've got to give him an opportunity to to be Sam Hartman. And I think Mike Goolsby um, on, on our Sunday show had a really good analogy or just, like, frame it like this. If you watched that game with no sound and you said, who has the better quarterback, you probably would have said Kyle McCord. But Sam Hartman, we talked about all week, was the guy that was supposed to give Notre Dame the quarterback edge in that game. And if you watched that game and, you know, took took away the fact that Sam Hartman has this beard and this, and this hair and, and his appearance and whatnot, I don't think you would have thought he's the 24-year-old who was making his 50th start. So and, and I think a lot of that had to do with – what Notre Dame was or wasn't doing in terms of the pass catching game. I didn't think there would be another game this year, partly because of what Notre Dame has personnel wise at tight end losing Michael Mayer. But I didn't think there was, would be a game this year where it was like, man, the tight end is, is all we got. And I guess Holden stays kind of made it that way at NC state in a good way. When you catch four passes for 115 yards, that's good. But some other wide receivers made plays in that game to me, Darren, in this game, it was like, Outside of a couple Jaden Greathouse catches and the Rico Flores touchdown, it was like, who's Sam Hartman going to throw the ball to if it's not Mitchell Evans? And I don't think that's a place Notre Dame wants to be. It's not going 11-1 and if that's the way it is the rest of the season. First, it was pretty cool sitting next to Bob Golick at that game on Saturday, learning a lot about defensive line play during that during that ball game. What does Notre Dame need to do to go 11-1? and I think I'm going to use a Marcus Freeman line and right now worry about the moment in front of them. And that is getting refocused after that loss. Okay. Whether they won or lost, I just thought it was going to be an incredibly difficult emotional turnaround. I asked a former Irish player about that. And he says it does take you a little while to refocus most individuals. So this Duke game, I think is could be a handful 
Duke's going to be, man, that camp is going to be wild with game day there for the first time. I'm just worried about, I think, the last 48 hours. And Drew, pray to Mary. That's that's another. Pretty yeah, that'll good get it done. But you got to get mentally locked back in. And they aren't going to get to 11 and 1 if they sleepwalk through this game or don't recover mentally from this game. So I just think the time period we're in right now is so crucial to know what's going to happen on Saturday. Yeah, one more thought on all of this. I haven't gone back and completely, like, I do a rewatch every Tuesday, an article that kind of breaks down, and me and my colleague Jack Sobel split it up to where he does offense one week, I do defense. I got offense this week, so I think my rewatch might be diving into the looks that Notre Dame was showing. If, if Ohio State was going to sit with the safeties and not let Notre Dame go downfield. Why wasn't Notre Dame spreading it out a little bit more and, and putting four wide receivers on the field at the same time a little bit more? Again, I don't know if they did. I'm going to go back and watch that. And you go, go to blueandgold.com on Tuesday to, to see my takeaways. But yeah, may, maybe there were some instances where you could have had Jaden Thomas as Carmel Humphrey here saying in the slot, like with, Jaden Greathouse or Chris Tyree on the other side, or maybe three, you know, trips on one side and another wide receiver on the other. I think spread could have been the way to go in this game. And if, if I go back and rewatch and I see that that's not what Jared Parker did, that, that would have been an in-game adjustment to me saying, Hey, we think we finally have the wide receivers that can go against a defense that just wants to safety us off the field and not let us throw the ball at all. The counter wasn't really there from what I saw watching that game. And yeah, I think like a lineup of Chris Tyree, Jaden Greathouse, Jaden Thomas, and um, I guess at that point you don't have Deion Colsey. Um, Braylon James was not ready for this game. Tobias Merriweather would have been my other guy. I think those four wide receivers on the same field at the same time presents a look that Ohio State might not have been ready for. I guess, Tyler, I look at it in a different way. The 12 personnel is one of their best packages. Mm-hmm. And using those tight ends to help in the running game, I think is helpful. And honestly, Tyler, as this season progresses, and after what we saw on Saturday, if I had to put a confidence meter on guys catching passes, I think the two tight ends are very high <laughs> up on the list. So I feel very confident, especially after Saturday when Mitchell Evans did the old boom one-handed catch and what stays has shown us this year they're getting open when it's thrown to them they're catching it I don't have the stats I don't know how many drops if they've had any but I got to be honest Tyler with the way they run it in that package and my confidence level that they're going to get open it's greater than the wide receiver sometimes so I guess I'm on the other end of the equation that I kind of like how they've scripted this season so far using that 12 personnel And I guess my answer to this question doesn't have to be just the wide receivers need to be better. If the tight ends are as good as you're saying, Darren, then prove it, like get the production out of them. And I don't have the answer for why it's it's not there. Mitchell Evans, you'll take seven for 75, seven for 70, whatever it was. Take that every single game. He did. He did. You take that every single game, but like Holden stays, for example, targeted one time. If you have a guy that can do what he did against NC State, and I know Ohio State's a little bit different, 
how the heck are you only targeting Holden stays one time in that game? He, he ran nine receiving routes, only two players who registered a receiving route or a target ran fewer than that. Jaden Greathouse, which I think there's another issue right there. Jaden Greathouse, we saw some things in the open field from Jaden Greathouse that was like, okay, get this dude in space. Like wow. for, for the most part, it's, it's always been, hey, Jaden Greathouse can get open and make the catches, but we saw him with a little bit of shake and he only ran seven receiving routes. It was targeted three times and got two passes. Like, where's the volume, I guess? I don't know. It was a weird game. The possessions weren't really there. Offense stalls out a couple times. But uh, I, I guess it's just like efficiency and execution is what it comes down to. You need to get more out of the passing game. You have Sam Hartman. I know it's a big game and, and things are different, but that's why he's here. You, you got to be able to lean on him and, and give him outlets. And I, I just didn't see enough of it. So Pretty cool to see all those freshmen out there in big moments in the game making plays for this football team. Game-winning drive. Jeremiah Love, Rico Flores, Jaden Greathouse had a catch on that drive, I believe. Yeah, Jack Sobo, our colleague at blueandgold.com, he actually asked Marcus Freeman that question. How cool is that? And that's a testament to recruiting, quick development. You just got to keep stacking stuff like that. It's got to happen more often. It can't, it can't be, wow, that was cool. It, let's make it the norm, right? That's what Notre Dame needs to do. And recruits will take note. Hey, maybe I could be yeah. the next guy to get on the field. Quickly. All right, let's wrap up Hey Horka for this week since we're over the hour mark with what can Notre Dame take from the Ohio State game and apply it to USC? That's from Aerofan624. Wow. Here we go. I'm so worried about Duke. I mean, think. Yeah. Can I can I say this really quick before we get going? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is it fair to say that USC's the fifth best team in the Pac 12? Washington? No, I need, yeah. I love, love it. Washington, Oregon. Washington State, Utah. I'm just saying. USC. I'm just saying. Here's the thing. Like, I get it. It's 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 more stacked. It's more crowded, and it's good. Like the, those teams that you all mentioned are good, but I just want to see them play USC. Like, can they? We know that Utah can win a shootout against USC. Can those other teams? We'll find out. USC beat, and you know, last year with Caleb Williams, they beat. I don't know what the schedule looked like, but I know they beat Oregon State. Um, did they play Washington, like Washington State? Um, to me, USC is like still – if they're not number one in the conference, they're number two. And I think that they're going to exercise the Utah. Do they Do they play every year? Does Utah play USC this year? It'll be Utah at USC because Utah beat them twice last year, Salt Lake and mm -hmm. then Las Vegas. The championship game, yeah. USC so, was sleepy against Drew Pine and the Sun Devils on Saturday. They were a little sleepy. Yeah, they were. That, that was what, a three-point – what was the final in that? 42-28. It was and, like a three-point game late in the second half, though, wasn't it? It was like a field yeah, goal game. Yes, it was. Yeah, yes, yeah. it was. And before they play the Irish, USC is at Colorado this week. <laughs> Gosh. And then home against Arizona. So chances are they're going to be undefeated when the Irish and the Trojans get together. Yeah. And so for me, when I look at USC in this question that Aerofan, we're starting and ending with Aerofan. By the way, I got to meet this particular gentleman here. Um, I put it on the message board. I said, it's Friday night. I'm going to turn in at 10 p.m. because I got a long day tomorrow, but I'm out and about. And if you are too, I'll meet you anywhere for a beer. 
got a beer with Aerofan 624 at uh, Brothers on Eddy Street, right across from campus there. So cool guy. Um, love what he contributes to the message board at blueandgold.com. For me, it's you couldn't stop a Mecca Abuka who is a really, really good slot receiver. USC has a really, really good slot receiver in Mario Williams, and he's got tremendous chemistry with Caleb Williams. So take take the film, look at it, try to help Thomas Harper out a little bit in coverage on the slot guy. Try to find a way to not get burned over the middle, and it's safety play. I get it. You're working with the personnel that you have there, Ramon Henderson, DJ Brown, Xavier Watts. But you've got to find a way to – because we said it earlier in the show, Darren. Marcus Freeman said it today. Cam Hart, Benjamin Morrison, they proved, like, hey, you can pretty much cover anybody. Like, yeah, you're going to get a couple balls caught on you, but, man, they can keep people in front of them. They can make plays on the football. They're not going to get torched on the outside. Marvin Harrison Jr., even before the injury, wasn't doing a whole lot. So what are you going to do to stop – USC's got some great outside receivers. But you say, hey, what? We got some great cornerbacks. Put them on them. What are you going to do to stop Mario Williams? Because he's not a Mecca Abuka, but he can beat you. He can beat you out of the middle. And that's what it was for me. Gosh, I am so looking at the Duke game. I can't even process you. Because Duke and Louisville's a hell of a lot better than we, we thought. So that's two tough road games. Before we get to USC, I'll just say this. Make the boys with headbands and surfboards. Make a business decision in tackling Audrey Kestame. Yeah. Make sure that guy gets a majority of the carries against those guys. And you know yeah. what? Going into this week, make sure that secondary has a lot of confidence. I know the corners played well. There were some missed opportunities by the safeties. Build up their confidence after. Yeah. I'm sure those guys are disappointed in a couple of things that happened. So make sure they're ready to go because Riley Leonard, he doesn't throw it hard. Maybe not the most accurate, not the most athletic, but again, he's kind of a poor man's Tim Tebow. He figures out a way to help his football team and win games. So dangerous game coming up this week. Absolutely. And yeah, I guess we'll end with that. We got Andrew Gilmore. Wouldn't be a Hey Horka show if we don't uh, shout out Andrew Gilmore. Two games, Duke, Louisville, both before USC. So it's a little early to talk USC, but look, I think Notre Dame should win both of these football games. Like, I'm not looking at this Notre Dame football team just because it lost to Ohio State by three points and saying, oh, no, you know, now this thing's in jeopardy of really spiraling. It is. If you lose to Duke on – And you should have won, too. If you do lose to Duke on Saturday, that's the spiral. I mean, that's like – yes, you're losing to another football team. Like, you're losing to another good football team, but you're also losing two in a row in a season where – two weeks ago, I think there were actually people thinking, Hey, can we beat everyone on the schedule? And then all of a sudden you lose two games in a row. And the next two games that you have are going to be against ranked teams. Louisville probably going to be ranked. I don't know if they're ranked now, but they're four. No. Uh, and then USC is definitely going to be ranked. So you could be a three loss football team before you know it. And you were thinking earlier, Hey, can we run the table? So Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, di- I didn't want to prematurely bring up a USC question, but I thought it was interesting because yeah. I did see the parallels there between, hey, you didn't stop Emeka Abuka. You better be able to stop Mario Williams. So I- I'm not going to make a pick in the Duke Notre Dame game until I find out what Lou Holtz has to say about Duke and then I'll, <laughs> I'll adjust from there. 
Yeah, Darren, we just went an hour and 11 minutes without bringing up the Ryan Day thing. And I know you have thoughts on it. You know what's funny about that, Darren? You shared your thoughts with me on that whole situation before the game even played out. And then in the postgame, it ended up being the story of postgame outside of the the – it's crazy how many storylines came out of that postgame, the 10-man thing. And but the, the Ryan Day thing was like the biggest sideshow in the history of sideshows that I've ever seen because you were right, Darren. I, I will give you your props. You were right. Lou Holtz, 86-year-old Lou Holtz, found a way to give a coach who is now 49 and 6 in his career extra motivation. And that that is incredible to me. You were right. Props. I don't know if I was right. I just you were. I just uh Sometimes you don't need to give the opposition anything else yeah. to think and about. I, it. And you know I what? And, and I know a lot of Irish fans were ticked at me, but I defended Ryan Day because he's protecting his corporation. He's protecting the image. He's protecting his players by going off and going after Lou. Because if, if somebody did that about Notre Dame, I think all of us would like to see someone stand up and, and say, hey, this is freaking Notre Dame. You don't say that about us. We're this, we're that. So – I think Ryan had to do that, and especially losing to Michigan two days, two years in a row. You got to pick your spots to find something to crow about. Yeah, I just think the way he did it was a little over beyond. I've never seen it was a grown man. Yeah, I've never seen a grown man say, "Where do you get off?" So many times in my life until I read his post game or transcribe, he kept saying, "Where where do you get off saying that, Lou Holtz?" It's like, what, dude? Lou Holtz is eighty six years old. He I'm not trying to go attack, you know, who Lou Holtz is today physically and whatnot, but Darren, he needed help standing up on the sideline when Notre Dame or on the field, when Notre Dame honored the 1988 championship team, I think it was. Um, Lou Holtz was like being propped up by, by some of his former players and Ryan days out there saying, Oh, Lou Holtz. Uh, he literally said, I'd like to know where Lou Holtz is right now. It's like, Dude, just get on the bus and go back to Columbus. You, you snuck out of you snuck out of South Bend with a three-point victory. You're not going to be saying all this if you lost. And that's part of the reason he did it. He was like, oh, we, we won. I have my chance to say all this. So it was weird to me. But, again, I give you the props. You were right. It fired him up. And let me close with this. Someone that I respect that knows sent me a direct message a couple of moments ago. And in regard to 10 men on the field, this person says Freeman has a veteran defensive staff. The defensive GA, really their only job in the booth is to count players each play, make sure we have 11. So that's another thought from somebody else. So Yeah, we might as well finish the show the same way that we started it and say there is no world – in the year 2023, that can't happen. No, sir. No, sir. All All right. Well, let's wrap up this installment of Hey Horka. Tyler's going to join me on my show on 960 AM and WSBTradio.com at about 6 o'clock tonight, Eastern time. So we'll talk a little more Notre Dame football. So, Tyler, appreciate your time. Enjoy the rest of your week. And I guess you'll be heading to Duke. I am. Yeah, I'll be there. All right. Very good. Safe travels. And we'll talk to you next week. Absolutely. Thanks for the extra 15 minutes today, Darren. But I think it was worth it. And if you're watching this on YouTube, go ahead and hit the like, the thumbs up. Uh, subscribe and we will see you same time next week. Appreciate it. All right. See you guys.